Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. Arrived, they found the telephone we have a, electricity a line weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Good morning. Murder. The term satanic panic is one many of us are familiar with. It is a term that struck so much fear into a population that often mundane activities or unrelated crimes were seen as acts of Satanism. On October 13, 1979, the body of a 17-year-old runaway was found. The bizarre facts of her case would send an entire city into an absolute panic. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Doreen Levesque's body was found behind a vocational high school in Fall River, Massachusetts on October 13, 1979. Her wrists were bound with fishing line and there were signs of torture. She had been stabbed in the head several times and had multiple skull fractures. Once police started investigating who she was, they found that the 17-year-old girl was a runaway who was working as a sex worker. They initially assumed that the girl was killed by one of her clients, but the medical examiner determined something much more sinister. The murder was likely perpetrated by multiple people, and her body showed evidence of possible stoning to death. 
With the case still open, a month later, a man named Andy Malte came to police to file a missing persons report for his girlfriend, Barbara. Barbara Raposa, 22, was also a sex worker on the same street that Doreen was known to work. He explained that he feared for the woman's safety and, before leaving the station, mumbled something about a satanic cult and information about Levesque's murder. Police arranged an interview. During this interview, Andy claimed that he and his girlfriend were practicing Satanists at the time of her disappearance. And it was this cult that they worshipped with that were involved in not just Barbara's disappearance, but Doreen's murder as well. Now, Andy wasn't the most credible witness. He was a pedophile, sexual sadist, and rapist, though he claimed he was now a devout Christian. At the end of the interview, Andy made arrangements to have the skeptical police officers meet two other cult members, Karen Marsden and Robin Murphy. The women, who were both sex workers and lovers, came to meet with police. Karen nervously rambled during the interview while Robin remained cold and observant. Eventually, the interview ended with Karen breaking down in tears and implicating a man named Carl Drew in the murder of Doreen. Carl was no stranger to police. He was known as a pimp with a violent reputation. Police started piecing information together and discovered that Carl was Doreen's pimp. According to Karen, Carl Drew organized his sex work business as a satanic cult. And Karen had one last thing to say to police, that if she turned up dead, it would be Carl Drew who was responsible. Karen kept in contact with police, helping when she could. She once, accompanied by another member of the cult, Carol Fletcher, took police to the Freetown State Forest. According to the women, this is where the cult had their meetings and performed their rituals. The more she talked with police, the clearer it became that Carl Drew wasn't the only person to worry about. It seemed that Robin Murphy, her roommate and lover, was equally as dangerous. On January 26, 1980, the frozen body of Barbara Raposa was found in the woods. Her wrists, just like Doreen Levesque's, were bound with fishing line. She had been sexually assaulted and her skull crushed with a rock. It seemed that Andy Malte was right to worry about his girlfriend. He was initially a suspect and, in an effort to prove his innocence, told police he had a psychic dream about the murder. He recounted in vivid detail where the body was found, its positioning, and method of killing. He was soon charged with the murder of Barbara Raposa. Then police got word from an unlikely witness, Robin Murphy. She claimed she knew who killed both women, but wanted to broker a deal where she would be in protective custody and have immunity. Her story was as follows. Andy Malte killed Barbara when he discovered that she was cheating on him with another man. They had all been partying together when she witnessed Andy drag Barbara behind an abandoned factory where her body was found later and began raping her. When she cried for help, he beat her to death before driving off. And, as for Doreen, her murder was an offering to the soul of Satan at the hands of Carl Drew. Doreen had left the cult and made an effort to work on her own. Carl Drew didn't like that and tracked the woman down and forced her into the car. He, along with Robin Murphy, Karen Marsden, and a man named Willie Smith, drove to the school where the two men dragged her under the bleachers and, out of sight, murdered the girl. Police had their doubts, but the population of Fall River began to tailspin in fear that their town was being overrun by Satanism and Satanic cults. The only member of the cult who seemed to be giving information was Karen Marsden. 
Though as time went on, she became increasingly distressed, even refusing to testify in court. She was reported missing on February 9th, 1980. Two months later, her skull was found amongst the decaying carcass of three cats, sheep bones, clumps of human hair, and some clothes that belonged to a female. A few months later, another member of the cult, Maureen Sparta, contacted police and named Robin Murphy as Karen's killer. So, now police had three bodies, three suspects, and a potential satanic cult in their midst. Robin, who had been relocated due to her protection agreement, was brought back to Massachusetts and questioned by police about the allegations. She eventually broke down and told police everything. In reality, her story would change constantly. But according to this story, Karen Marsden had become too much of a liability and, at the command of Carl Drew, she and a man named Carl Davis helped ritualistically kill Karen. She went into graphic detail about the ritual and how it paid homage to Satan. The case was described as a media circus. Andy Malte was convicted of the first-degree murder of Barbara Raposa and given a life sentence. He died of cancer in 1998. Robin Murphy's lawyer convinced the court that she was under the influence of a powerful cult and could not be held accountable for her actions. She was allowed to plead to the lesser charge of second-degree murder in exchange for her testimony. That, coupled with her immunity deal, left her sentence at life with the possibility of parole. Which, after 24 years in prison on June 10th, 2004, is exactly what happened. Though she quickly violated her parole and was returned to prison seven years later, where she remains. Carl Davis never stood trial for his part in the murder of Karen Marston. Carl Drew, however, the supposed head of the Fall River cult, was convicted of first-degree murder and was given life without parole. Doreen Levesque's murder never went to trial. There are still debates amongst the population of Fall River on if this cult even existed or if the murders in 1979 and 1980 were just the tip of the iceberg. Could a satanic cult still be thriving in Fall River, Massachusetts, or was it just a clever cover-up? Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.